tell me what um, what the uh, I just turned it on. It, it's it's what the what they called it. Did, did did the word Mill Creek? I know that there was a Mill Creek there, and everybody knew there was Mill Creek, but. But did people use that term before they began to tear it down? Uh, I don't recall, but I have a uh, history of the whole area here at the office uh, that tells you all about the area uh, before we took it over and uh, what had gone there going back uh, hundred years or so before. Well, that would be great. The people that I've interviewed, see, they they all say the same thing. We didn't know it was Mill Creek. And we didn't know it was a slummy area. We had a good time. We lived in a good, you know, in a nice house. Our street was... was who says that? These, I'm, I'm, I've interviewed a... a Yes, yes. Know what the hell they're talking about. It was the worst slum in the city. But they don't see it that way. That's different. As children, that's what that, I'm... That is different. Th and that, that I have here uh, on uh, my history that a young man just completed his Ph.D. dissertation on the area, and he just brought it to me last week. And? So I have it right here. And it goes back on all that kind of uh, question or, uh, that you just mentioned. Well, I know. And a lot of people, he refers to that, a lot of people have a, have a, let's call it a nostalgic type of recollection. And they didn't even realize that they were living with uh, outside uh, toilets and with uh, Well, they knew. Rats That's right. I have. They, they, they look back on it, you know. I I know I have all that, Isadora. I have that on my own tapes, uh, and I know that. That's not what I want to know. What, what, and they say, what they say is um, they didn't know it was Mill Creek. So I want to know if people used the term Mill Creek before they began to want to redo it. That's right. That's that's what they're going back for a long time. That area because the Mill Creek uh, was there and all. But as far as the people that lived there, I'd say they definitely did not refer to it as Mill Creek. That's right. That's what they're telling me. And so what I know that that I know. I want to know if you used the term Mill Creek before it was getting be ready to be turned torn down. Was that? I didn't uh, use it for that. It was just a term that they used when they offered this area to be redeveloped. So they talked about redeveloping the Mill Creek area. That's what I'm trying to find out. That's that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Otherwise, they weren't referring it to that. And what, what did they, they refer to? calling it, and the name is that I can get for you out of my uh, uh Ph.D. dissertation here. I can find that there. I'd love to have that. Well, I mean, you'd have to, uh, you know, you'd have to come in and take a look at it and spend uh, a couple of hours here. Uh, go. It's very, very interesting. Uh-huh, I'd like to. And if you would do that, it's, uh, I give you a desk, I give you, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll let you go through it, and I think you'll find it fascinating. Okay, I'd like to do that. Um, is there, is there a... Um... Tell me when you want to do it.
Go ahead. Um, I think I'm supposed to say, can I tape this on the on the tape, and you say yes now. <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right, you went from sticks, which went on for 18 months, 16 yeah, to 18. Well, I just needed to sound intelligent when I interviewed these people, you know. Well. I'm not, it, I really want to know how people felt about what was happening, you know. Okay. Uh, but uh, I do need to know some one thing that facts that about it. Picketing the lunch counter? Yeah, well, or we sitting were, in? We weren't picketing, we were sitting in. Sitting in. We would take every other seat, you know. Mm -hmm. So that anybody who came in and wanted to eat had to sit next to one of us. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and so what happened? What did, what did they do? Describe what. Well, they just sort of ignored us. We went on. And they did sit down next to one of us? And you all just sat there. We just sat there. With with signs on the back of your uh -huh, we had signs on the back that said generally we've been waiting for service, you know, so many days, so many hours. Uh -huh. And every hour we would change the sign. <laughs> uh huh. And and Charles, um did he, did people say things? On the counter? Yeah. Mm -hmm. they're playing chess. And uh, one lady came in and said, look at you with all your brains. I'm <laughs> in here with these niggers and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, there wasn't really too much hostility. Yeah, just enough. Uh, were there signs up that said... Uh, Whites only, or anything like that? No, they said that sometimes they would have signs up where you reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Because occasionally, in interviewing people, they remember signs. They re and, I and don't remember any signs down there that says uh, white only, or anything. Yeah, the, the normal sign was uh, we refuse the right to serve. Yeah, we reserve the right to 
Uh-huh. Now, we're, are we talking just sticks right now? Uh, no, we're talking probably sticks. And, uh, generally? Generally down in the downtown area. Uh-huh. Um, how about drinking fountains? Was there any signs? No. And And people could use the toilet facilities or not? You wouldn't have any recollections of the yeah. uh, I know that at the department stores, uh, women were not allowed to try on dresses mm -hmm. and, uh, or hats or anything like that. Uh, they uh, were permitted to take them home and bring them back. Yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't go in the dressing room. <laughs> um, that's really interesting because that the going in the dressing room would probably uh, stop other people from wanting to shop there, they thought, you know. But if they took it home and brought it back, who would know what, you know. Um, did, did people ever talk to you about, this is a question that I always wonder about, how did they know where they could go and where they couldn't go. And I know it sounds like a silly question, but um, nobody... Well, actually, uh, what we did was we, uh, you know, published the list the best we could in leaflets and pamphlets and so on and so forth. And we had these cards made out, which we would pass out when we were uh, demonstrating, mm -hmm. which would uh, indicate, you know, the stores were open. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but for the most part, people just didn't bother. <laughs> they, they never used. <laughs> they never what? They they never used the facilities when they were open. Yeah, the only people who really used the facilities were members of corps. Well, you mean when things opened up, people didn't go? Uh, not until we got the ordinance. Uh huh. Not until it really became okay. You mean? By a sign identified. Well, I don't remember if it was identified by a sign or not, but it was just by custom and practice. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, we would go over and talk to people who were sitting at the, uh, or, you know, at the, where they just served hot dogs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd say, you know, you're entitled to, you can go over here and sit down. And they would look at us, I sort of strange, and uh, continue on with whatever they were doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, what? why do you suppose they did that? Well, they felt uncomfortable, and then uh, they didn't know who we were. Mm -hmm. And uh, thought maybe we might have been some radical mm -hmm. rebel rousers or trying to get them into difficulty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know what their thoughts were. So, so they went very slowly. What 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 was it? I mean, what was what was passed in St. Louis? I mean, how did how well, did that? You know, 
Mm-hmm. And I forgot the date on that. It was in some part of the 60s. Mm-hmm. It was during the time of the, uh, you know, the student nonviolent coordinating committee and so on and so forth were conducting massive sit-ins all over the country. But did that did that coordinate with the with the Public Accommodations Act, like in D.C.? I mean, was that 64 or something? They were all open. Yeah, by law. Mm-hmm. According to the this uh, statute passed eighteen seventy-six. So they never were closed. So it was a unwritten law. Well, I mean that it, it was an unwritten law that people were. Uh, the courts had never recognized it, then, uh, but you know, the uh, the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, this particular statute uh, declared that all public accommodations are open. Hmm. So, so what what you're saying is that that, that uh, I'm sorry, my phone was going on. What you're saying is that that it, it was just they were just it was just that way because that's the things way things were, but it wasn't by law. Well, that's the way the things were, and that's where the judges generally held. Mm-hmm. So finally, the Supreme Court ruled on it, and whatever date it was, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the date, mm-hmm. I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. But generally, it, I mean, actually, well, it... civil rights ordinance in St. Louis. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, all right. Cunningham seems to be the big a big boo-boo. <laughs> the store Cunningham's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was seems to be one that nobody was ever treated very kindly. And um, does that sound familiar? Uh, that was a, you know, woman, woman's store. Yeah. And uh, I have some faint recollections of it, and, uh, you know, marrying that when I go to that store. Mm-hmm. Um, also, McCrory's, somebody has said that they had a freight elevator in there that had three or four desks in it that people could uh, colored people at that time could go in there and uh and eat and sit did you ever hear of that nope okay i know that we dealt with mccrory's along with uh Kresge's and woolworth mm-hmm. and, uh, they had standing counters they had standing counters yeah mm-hmm Okay. Um, if I could keep you one a little bit more, um, Scruggs had the bottom, the basement that for the those, that was the first thing. And no, no, uh, Scruggs was uh, famous bar had a place in the basement for uh, blacks. Mm-hmm. And they also had a place in the basement for whites, but they were separated. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh... To eat, we're talking. Yeah, uh-huh. Now, uh, 
Ben Fuller. And Scrubs, Doug's had a burnt body. My recollection is that uh, Scrubs was more receptive than any of the other stores. Yeah, it seems that they had they had something in the basement, I guess, where anybody could go for, and that was the first. You know, that was just there. And uh, that, that had been there for some time. Yeah. Did, did anything, uh, and then did, did, did Famous have like a balcony something? Yeah, Famous had a balcony where uh, plaques were permitted. Permitted. Okay. Um, all right. Um, what am I missing? What's even a bad question to ask them? I said I'd like a good one. <laughs> oh, uh, I think that one of the things that happened that generally the people we were dealing with had good feelings towards us. Mm -hmm. You know, at first they were angry and upset, and over the period of time they became very friendly. And, uh, you know. Uh, so actually it wasn't unpleasant dealings. Not in, uh, you know, when we had, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Breland with Woolworth. Who? Uh, Breland, B-R-E-L-A-N-D, he's dead too. But he was uh, in charge of the Woolworth uh, area, and, you know. Mm -hmm. And we negotiated with him, not only open the stores in St. Louis, but uh, New Orleans and... Uh, other places, and uh, we worked out a program mm -hmm. with uh, Woolworths mm -hmm. for a change of their policy, and Irv Dagan was uh, one of the chief negotiators there. Mm -hmm. um, let me see. And this, just allowing people to to be able to eat where they wanted to, um, was in no way um, related to the hiring policies of uh, of blacks. We were primarily, going back in this period of time, uh, talking about uh, public accommodations. Mm -hmm. uh, we did get into employment, and uh, particularly at places like Kroger and... Uh, some of the other stores, mm -hmm. and uh, I know we picketed the Kroger store on Union Avenue, I guess, for a long, long period of time, several months, mm -hmm. and uh, about their employment policies, and uh, we also picketed by state about their employment policies, mm -hmm. so they did not permit uh, black store women to drive buses. <laughs> to drive them? Yeah, they, they were not permitted. They were not hired. Uh, they would not hire them to drive buses. Mm hmm And I wonder, when did that start, I wonder, by state? Oh, I don't know. Blacks. I've, I've got somebody that drove for me. I just can't recall it at the moment. Um... Okay, well, I appreciate it. And the tea rooms, d d did you ever have anything to do with the, 
that, or did that just fall into place? Well, Serving well people. first of all, they opened up the first four counters. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted them to open up the tea rooms. And uh, they resisted that. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a higher-class clientele in the tea rooms. Mm -hmm. So we used to go up there and stand in the, you know, you know, where you're where you're seated, wait, waiting to be seated. Mm -hmm. I never forget one time there was a Vera Williams and Marion went over to Stan Mutual and Biggie's uh, over on Oakland, mm -hmm. and uh, this was after the color barrier had been broken in, in baseball, and uh, so they went over there to Stan Mutual and Biggie's and were standing there. With, waiting in line and uh, demanding service and San Usual walked in, saw him, and immediately turned around and ran away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> How fascinating. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so now wait a minute, let me I'm I'm just looking at a little list here. Uh, all right. Um, may I, may I, may I quote you <laughs> with what you're saying? Okay. Uh, you know what I'm getting a lot of, uh, and it's the color, the differences in color that people wore and talk about, and how it... I remember Pope's uh, suggestion that uh, we integrate the facilities by starting off with light-skinned Negroes and then gradually getting darker. Mm -hmm. Darker until after a while. Uh, You'd have somebody black. We could have somebody black come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, did anybody respond to him? We, we rejected that. Yeah. Um, but I have the, the, the people as children, when they'd go downtown and they would realize that the light-skinned girls were the elevator operators... And um, no, that, that goes way back to slavery. You know? Right, right. But it's it's um, not that uh, I myself don't remember it. It's just that they're talking about it. All right. Um, well, I'll just I'll just see what I just really kind of see what they have to say. <laughs> okay. But uh, I'd be interested in yeah, I I would be happy to share it with you. Um, okay. They they said that they they'd be happy to, but they just prefer not to have, you know. Their names mentioned. Right. No, that's all right. It's yeah. I I'm going to use it for background information. Any. Talk to Pope too. Pope. Mm -hmm. Pope's restaurants. What? He was on the mayor's council on human relations. What's his name, Mr. Pope? Yeah. What What's his first name? Uh-huh. Okay. And he would be an ideal person to talk to because he was on the council. And he had these uh, various cafeterias downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to go in and stand in line. And uh, he's the one that suggested we use a graduated color scheme. Yeah. But, you know, he might be an interesting person to discuss this with. Um, should I use your name or just not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know, I don't mind if you use my name, but I just think it won't help me. It won't help any. <laughs> okay. 
I'm going to turn this off, though. Are abiding by their new policy of opening the facilities. U City. University City. Uh huh. Well, did they, oh they did this as a as a University City thing. Okay. Yeah, the officials from University City contacted the uh, Corps mm -hmm. to ask us to test all the restaurants mm -hmm. and to be sure that they were following their new policy. Mm hmm. And Marianne and Vera, I think, tested something like twenty-five a day or something. <laughs> I think Marianne alluded to that in in saying that that you know they they'd have to go and and they were serving and they were just made them sick, you know. <laughs> Because they had to eat. You go to about to get 25 cups of coffee, you're, you're about done for. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you you sound strong. You sound okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm sure it's difficult, and um, uh, I will, uh, I'll let you know what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, Marion and I, we're both aware that there was, I didn't. We, we sat down and discussed it and uh, decided what we were going to do. And there was sort of a joint agreement between the two of us. And, uh, so uh, I think that helped me face, you know, when it actually happened. It made it uh, a lot easier. That you did it exactly the way. You know, I what I found was so amazing is that the last time that um, she was at a meeting, she, I mean, there, I didn't, I thought her coloring was a little off, but besides that, you know, she just had a grayish. It just, it just wasn't. Uh huh. But 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 her demeanor. I mean, I didn't know anything. Of course, I didn't know anything, and it seemed like she had lost a little weight. And I said to somebody later, after she passed away, I was so glad that I was at the other end of the table because otherwise, as one woman to another, I probably would have gone up to her and said, um, "You look good. You you know you're you've lost some weight or something like that." Because every woman you know, the desire at this age is to lose five pounds. Uh, so I'm glad that I didn't say that to her. Yeah. Didn't have the opportunity. Um, uh, she would not have been She wouldn't have worried about it. Um, no, she wouldn't have, I'm sure. But I... I she would have accepted it as a compliment. And, you know. Well, I meant every word I ever said about her. I mean, I just... You know, it was, it was, uh, I think about her because she, um, I think she would be pleased. Um, I, I'm a late in life bloomer and, um, and she helped water me. <laughs> um, and I'm eternally grateful, but I know that she must have done that for everybody she came in contact with. Well, that's pretty true. Uh-huh. Because um, you know she she didn't suffer fools lightly, gladly, <laughs> um, and uh, I think she dropped words where she thought somebody was going to hear her, and um, she just went on her way doing 
things, but she couldn't have done it without you, Charles. Well, I think we, we made a pretty good team. You did. All right. I will, if I ever, when I talk to them, which should be in a few weeks, I suppose, I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay, fine. I appreciate hearing. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. With your, your involvement, it would, it would be wonderful to learn what was happening on the, on the side of the people that were looking at Mill Creek and, um, and seeing what, what it was. And, and sister, uh, now that you uh, have uh, explained to me what your, uh, is this loud enough? Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, interest is in what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I think that uh, I'd like to make a few observations about this uh, matter of race and memory in St. Louis uh, because I'm 87 years old, I was born in St. Louis, and uh, uh, even though we uh, built and owned Mill Creek, uh, I have some uh, other uh, memories and uh, perceptions of uh, race uh, in St. Louis, which basically, I suppose, uh, you mean blacks, mm -hmm. African-Americans. Isidore, go ahead. If it, if it, go ahead. Well, I don't know, have you been speaking uh, to uh, white people as well as black people about uh, their impressions or from, or from the point of view of blacks? I started to, uh, and I interviewed a number of people, not, a num not, not maybe four or five people, but I found that for what I seemed to be trying to do, I was trying to, it, it's hard to even up a black to a white, and I was going to do this whole spectrum, like race having to do with if they came from Germany or they came from another European or other country, how, it, how they're, that impacted on them. But it, it's turning out not to, not to be, uh, is, it, that's not what I'm going to do. It's just more difficult. Uh, I still don't understand uh, what you're telling me. In other words, are you, are you? I'm only interviewing in the black community. That's what I'm asking. Yes, in and, that, other, and so the only white, the only Caucasian voices I want are those that would be background information kind of thing, uh, impressions, because when you interview in the black community, the white is there. <laughs> Everything that they had done was, had to do with, uh, because of Caucasian people. They couldn't go to school, they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. And so where they lived was also because of laws. So the white voice is there. It's, it's just not um, your life or, or their life. Intertwi it's intertwined. Yes, but... Uh... It's one thing to uh, uh, guess, just uh, get a uh, impression, memories, 
feelings from black if that's what your motivation mm -hmm. uh, is mm -hmm. then I can just give you some data about uh, what I know about uh, mm -hmm. where blacks lived and uh, what we uh, in connection with our construction projects mm -hmm. uh, uh, involved uh, blacks and then you've mentioned Town in particular, although we also, you know, built practically all of the public housing projects, including the ill-fated Pruitt-Igoe, mm -hmm. and uh, so I don't know uh, yeah, just that, what you're trying that, to that would be, get from it would, it would be your side of, of how you saw what was happening and what it was like when you saw it going down. Um, uh, it's not just a matter of uh, going going down. I mean, that's one. Uh, uh, well, how did it happen, Isidore? That's uh, uh, that is a story that uh, I am having uh, a uh, an attendant symposium on October mm -hmm. the eighth. I think is right. on that very subject. It's mm -hmm. a long. Uh, story that I can tell you a little bit. Well, we, we, I can get it then, you know. Yeah, I can get it then. We'll certainly get that then. But I think that we ought to talk about uh, other things now that I understand what your uh, interest uh, is. I'd uh, like to uh, uh, give you my impressions and my uh, contacts since I was a young boy. Okay. Okay. Uh, when uh, I would visit my grandparents in 19... Twelve, nineteen thirteen. They lived uh, down near uh, Ninth Street, near what is now Del Mar. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uh, uh, aunt, uh, Sophie Millstone who was the mother of uh, Ben Centuria, Dr. Ben, ben mm -hmm. Centuria. Uh, lived in an area that very frankly was a uh, highly percentage of uh, Jewish people. Mm -hmm. At that same time, Go ahead. This is more comfortable. At that same time, just to the uh, to the uh, north were uh, mostly uh, Italian, and then a little bit to the to the west of there was uh, Irish. Kerry Kerry Patch was called. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, ethnic groups who were mostly new immigrants and didn't even speak 
uh, English, uh, pretty much con <coughs> congregated together because uh, 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 of the language and also because of the uh, uh, trades they were learning. Most mm -hmm. a lot of the Irish were bricklayers, so a new one became bricklayer apprentices and then bricklayers and mm -hmm. bricklayer contractors. The Ita Italians, the same way, most were, uh, were tile setters, cement finishers, these trowel type trades. And a lot of the people from Yugoslavia and that part of the uh, world that came that came into the United States as immigrants were doing the uh, uh, stone masonry type work uh, in the city. And there were not a great number of blacks living in St. Louis when I was uh, a boy. Uh, later on, there was a big migration from the South uh, into St. Louis and uh, from Mississippi, from Arkansas, from many of the southern states and uh, uh, most of them, uh, uh, by the time I was in, in the construction business, we were employing them as mostly as laborers because uh, they couldn't get into the uh, skilled building trades. They wouldn't take them into the unions. So uh, uh, the black community started uh, to uh, uh, grow and to settle into what were uh, ghetto areas, usually uh, right behind where the Jews lived because the Jews, Jewish population was moving west. So they went to, as a Jewish population, moved as far as Grand, Kings Highway, uh, Union, uh, the areas behind it, including the synagogues and all, uh, became uh, black uh, uh, living uh, areas. Give me a date. Give me an approximate date that we're talking right now. Well, this, as I say, this all uh, progressed from uh, down as far as uh, 8th and 9th Street out to uh, King's Highway by uh, beginning of uh, World War II, okay. let's say. Okay. And uh, most of the black areas, like as they followed the new Jewish neighborhoods, were on the uh, north side of, uh, of let's say, uh, Page, Easton, at that time because the Jewish community that was moving west also uh, the uh, less affluent were still moving west in that direction because the older Jewish community uh, more affluent and wealthy lived uh, 
little farther to the south, still moving, moving west, but to the south, over as far as uh, Lindell, uh, Washington, Westminster, McPherson, but also uh, getting out When I was in uh, high school, at Soldan High School, the Jewish community by and large lived from Taylor to DeBoliver, from Lindell to Page. Mm -hmm. I went to mostly to uh, Clark School, Soldan High School, and 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 it was, and, and they started uh, uh, to move out as far as Skinker, University City. Uh, from the time I was in high school, I was going to Washington University. That's when those areas uh, uh, were built up. Now, I recall as a young boy, when we lived on uh, just east of King's Highway near Fountain Park on Auburn, right across the street from our house was a black family. The man worked for uh, uh, the post office uh, department. There was uh, another black family that uh, uh, where the uh, man was a porter for the uh, uh, on the railroads worked on on the railroads mm -hmm. uh, the waiter or porter very lovely families they could not go to the public schools where we went to they had to find their way to to a black school. And there weren't uh, very, very many at that, at that time. But at the same time, also, there were little enclaves of black families and homes that uh, existed from uh, Civil War times. There was uh, one uh, right where we're sitting now, and it's still here. One is right here in uh, uh, joining our office here in Brentwood. Uh, there's another one just east of, of here in, uh, I think it's Richmond Heights right. or Brentwood. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was one right in Clayton, mm -hmm. right in Clayton, where the, uh, the Ritz Shady Carlton Oak. Hotel yeah. is. Behind the Shady Oak. Yes, right there. That was also a uh, when we moved right after World War II. When we moved uh, out to uh, Fordyce Lane, uh, uh, there was uh, there were many uh, domestic uh, servants that worked in the area. They could not go to the public schools, but there was a black school just uh, uh, south of uh, 
where uh, Bush's Grove is. And our cook's children had to go to that, to that black school. It was a very good school, I understand. Uh, and I don't recall the name of it, but I'm trying to point out that these little enclaves mm -hmm. that had been there for a long, long time in this area, from Civil War times or, or before and all, existed. And then uh, when I was in the construction business, there were, uh, it just started back in 1928, there were a few builders that were starting to build little communities for blacks because uh, it was restricted where they could live. Mm -hmm. and you must remember at that time it was restricted where Jews could live too. Exactly. You couldn't live everywhere. Right. It. So, 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 there, so there were these... Uh, Covenants. Little, well-maintained, well mm -hmm. all-black uh, communities. This change with the migration from the South in this is when the black slums or ghettos started to exist. These others were were not slums by any means. Where the blacks are, they were they were lovely, uh, small, but uh, uh, nice uh, homes, well maintained, and uh, there was a great deal of uh, pride in these black families and their uh, children. A lot of these. Uh, the, the women did work as domestics and all, and uh, uh, it was just a different environment that started to uh, uh, to develop as these areas started to become real slums that you ask me about when you talk about Laclede Town and what was Mill there, Creek, or, Mill Creek. or when we built Pruitt-Igo, what was wrecked. I took a great deal of pride when I saw these uh, real rat-ridden slums being, uh, with no plumbing uh, available, being demolished and people coming into brand new, spanking, uh, clean uh, uh, units I thought that it was a, uh, a great uh, advance. Mm -hmm. Now people could look back with nostalgia in some of those slum areas and think about, as you said, cutting the grass with serious series scissors. Well, maybe where I, uh, in some areas maybe that occurred, but I assure you that is not the way it was in these uh, mm -hmm. uh, black slum areas. Not at all. Uh, sister, uh, my father worked for the St. Louis Car Company when I was born, which was 1907. And uh, St. Louis Car Company was on North uh, Broadway, which is now Hall Street, uh, and they manufactured the streetcars for the entire United States that came from, practically all came from St. Louis. So uh, uh, the area where I was born and is all solid black uh, today, uh, 
and I'm, I haven't been there for some time, so I don't know uh, what the uh, uh, caliber of that area is. I'm afraid it's probably a black slum today, but when I was born on Adelaide Avenue, uh, right near O'Fallon Park, it was a very, very mm -hmm. lovely white uh, uh, area mm -hmm. because the city originally had grown uh, north and south along the Mississippi River, going south as far as Carondelet mm -hmm. and uh, going north uh, all the way to Baden and, and uh, Pass before it really moved very far west. So first it's because the transportation was mostly by uh, uh, boat and uh, the uh, uh, so they lived close to the to the river and uh, there was no transportation there were no automobiles so you either walked or you went on the streetcars that's how you uh, you got anywhere uh, or you went up and down the Mississippi River on paddle wheel steamers up to Alton or Chautauqua or whatever, go out for a half a day, a day, a week. You can go as long, long as you want. And then the streetcars started to develop and uh, I loved to go on the streetcars because at the end of every streetcar line was an amusement park. <laughs> they, uh, uh, you go out to Forest Park Highlands, which yeah. was right now where the arena is today. You could go out to Merrimack Highlands, or you could go uh, out to Creevecore Lake, uh, or you could go on the streetcar as far as DeBoliver, and then the, that was the end of the line where the car sheds are now. And then in the summertime, you could uh, get an open-air streetcar and go straight out, out farther. Mm -hmm. So this is the way uh, people lived and uh, also, they had to get out of their houses because the houses were all brick. St. Louis was always a brick town. So uh, 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 some of the uh, uh, black little uh, uh, enclaves uh, were not brick. Some of those were frame, mm -hmm. but uh, some were also a brick. But uh, but the brick houses were hot because there was no air conditioning. They were hotter than the, than the frame uh, uh, houses because they held the heat. So people would always want to get out of the heat into the open, whether it was by streetcar or by a boat, any way that they re really could. That's uh, the need for front porches, too. What's that? The need for front porches. Right. And then in the more affluent screen porches, mm -hmm. both off the living room or off the bedroom to sleep, you know, this is the way they were designed, you know. But uh, uh, again, there were no uh, Jewish people living in North St. Louis where I was born. As I say, I happened to be born there because my father was uh, working for St. Louis uh, Car Company. But in 1909, uh, when there was a uh, panic or a strike, financial or something, my father had two children, my sister and myself, we moved out near Fountain Park, where I told you uh, uh, there was a, two, two black families that lived right across the street there. Mm -hmm. We didn't uh, think there was anything uh, 
odd about it. Did you play together? Yes, yeah, sure. We, we play, yes, we did. We played together, and uh, but I didn't go to the to the same schools. And when we would go to a picture show, they couldn't go to that picture show. They weren't admitted. I'll never forget the first time that I saw a black in a picture show was when my we went on a trip to Chicago. And uh, we went to a big picture show in downtown Chicago, where it was, and there were blacks in the picture show, which was new to me. Mm -hmm. Same way on the streetcars. When we'd ride on the streetcars, the blacks would not sit with us on the streetcars. There would be separate seats, uh, just like in the South, uh, uh, on the uh, buses and all. They did not, uh, in St. Louis, they did not uh, ride in the uh, same seats, the whites. I remember later on when that started to uh, change, I was on a streetcar going somewhere and a black uh, man uh, came and sat on the seat next to me on the streetcar. Mm -hmm. I was shocked, I was surprised. Not that I objected, but uh, it hadn't been done. It just hadn't been done up to. So these are the changes that uh -huh. were occurring at that time. So, in, so I'm, what I'm trying to point out to you is that there had been blacks here for a long time. Mm -hmm. They uh, got along well, as far as I could see, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have, from their perspective, it was different. And uh, I think you'll find that out if the, you can find any people as old as I am that are black that can tell yeah. you their impressions of those days if they lived where I'm telling you yeah. uh, here. So they might give you a different impression. But it wasn't, as I say, uh, until the city started to expand and move to the west and also to, to South St. Louis and, and to North that the slums started to develop, uh, the Jewish people uh, who were in the ghettos as immigrants, as immigrants, had prospered and were moving farther west. This was taken over mostly by blacks, mostly because the other ethnic groups like I told you, the Italians, the Irish, they had their own neighborhoods where they lived. Then the Italians farmed what's today the hill. Mm -hmm. They went over and they started the hill. Before that they were down uh, uh, near uh, 8th, 9th, and uh, uh, O'Fallon Street or where Biddle Street When is. did they start moving to the south side? The, the Italians? Italians. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, about uh, the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Isidore, so what you're saying is that the, that the, the area that we now termed as Mill Creek then um, came about because of the migrations absolutely. from the south. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and that that there were a couple of waves of migrations. Right. Um, yes. All right. So then that's where they began to settle, in that yes. area as the Jews moved down. Yes. And the Jews and the and Italians were, and and they were not nice neighborhoods and all. To begin the with, they weren't. And the blacks themselves, to begin with, they who, weren't. Who were more established and were 
uh, you know, school teachers and had other, uh, they did not stay in those areas. They moved out of those areas. To the Ville. What's that? To the Ville, to Ellardsville, to the Ville, which was on Sarah and Taylor and right. where, Correct. where the they moved Sumner was. There and then later farther west and farther north. Mm -hmm. And King's Highway, mm -hmm. and in the yeah. west, on North King's Highway, the lovely West areas. End community. Uh, yes, and, uh, they, and, and that's where the more affluent moved in and got away from this new wave of uh, blacks from the south. And I wonder that was, um, well, that was during the Depression. They came. Yes, I would. Uh, I would from from you know I sh I. Sh uh, headed up this business since 1928 and uh, when I started uh, as I told you before there weren't any I don't think uh, blacks in the skilled trades as far as the union is concerned mm -hmm. they had their own little companies where they did brickwork or built houses or did carpentry but not as members of the uh, yeah. of the union because they didn't they did we started taking them in. We pioneered, Millstone Construction pi pioneered uh, getting them into, the, into uh, the unions. And that was mainly because when we started to bid on these big public housing projects, the government started to insist that there be uh, minority uh, employment. And it wasn't easy. Again, but they gradually did. They gradually were ta taken in, uh, and that would have been uh, around uh, just before World War II, mm -hmm. in the late 30s. That's when uh, when we got them in, and uh, they started to uh, uh, get into the uh, skill trades. So, so these people began to move up, and they weren't. They moved into, as you said, places that were not good to begin with. Correct. And um, so, I guess it, by the second migration, it, it began to be overcrowded, um, and lots of problems. And so, where did the decision? Um, what do you remember about the conversations that went on before? the deed was done, that Mill Creek was going to be demolished, and what problems was it, you know, I mean, they, they wanted to demolish it for, to clean up the city and to, to do something yes. with that area. Yes, and I will give you uh, a uh, dissertation that, with that uh, I will explain Mill, all of that. Mill Creek area in okay. particular that tells you just exactly mm -hmm. the time and the area and okay. what occurred. Then I can the same that. thing was also occurring uh, over uh, where uh, uh, Cass Avenue mm -hmm. and uh, 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 east of Grand mm -hmm. where we built uh, uh, Bluemire homes. And you must remember when we started building public housing projects in the late 1930s, 
the projects were not integrated. Even the public yes. housing projects, when we built the uh, one over on uh, uh, Shoto, which were not high rise, they were three-story three uh, housing units. That was all white, all white. But then the government uh, uh, financed a similar project in North St. Louis, all for blacks. Car Square. Yes, the Car Square. Correct. That was that was a lovely project, mm -hmm. and many people uh, moved. Blacks moved in that area. It was a lovely place mm -hmm. to live. Uh, they were not high rise, but. Uh, all black. Yeah. No, it was not integration. When we went when we built the Cleed Town after World War II, I wanted that to be an integrated project, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was, and that's another story into right. itself. Right. About, we'll get into that. About, uh,